0: Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. There are a number of high-profile matters at hand, one being the President's forthcoming State of the Union message, much anticipated by people of varying persuasions. Another matter at hand is the Winter Olympics from South Korea. A global spectacle, a worldwide cooperative effort, you might say. However, much of that cooperation, of course, is in an extremely laser-focused, competitive field. And over the past many decades... There has been a great deal of gamesmanship. A great deal that has been done in order to skew the results of the Olympics. And this has typically been done, with notable exceptions, this has typically been done by political regimes who have sought to manipulate the Olympic Games in order to generate public prestige, in order to try to demonstrate the superiority of their regimes, typically communist regimes or fascist, socialist, all socialist, whether communist, fascist, socialist regimes. But that is at hand. That is coming quickly. But prior to that, we have the State of the Union Address, and it is of such great importance that the President of the United States has temporarily cooled his jets on his obsession with tweeting. So the tweeter-in-chief is ever so temporarily taking a brief respite from tweeting in order to better prepare for the State of the Union address. Isn't that a remarkable thing? I mean, really, think about it. The President of the United States of America has the opportunity to deal with, to address matters of great import, life and death importance. Now, while it's true that a president's powers are limited, still, on a daily basis, the president can make decisions, can take actions, which will affect people, not only the particulars of their daily lives but the reality of whether their daily lives continue. And that's true 365 days of the year, not just whether Congress is in session, not just whether the media happens to pay any attention to it or happens to choose to say anything about it. And if they do say anything about it, they may in fact, of course, GREATLY misrepresent the truth, the reality. But the President of the United States has that opportunity. And in point of fact, absent his extreme desire to make a difference for good, he has no business seeking the office of the presidency. But while he has those opportunities every day of the year, according to our Gregorian calendar, 365 days of the year, as compared to a more biblical view of 360 days. But isn't it fascinating that this president and many others... (laughs) Within the administration and outside of the administration, think that the State of the Union address is of such great importance that he needs to change his way of doing things for a brief blip in time in order to focus on giving a more powerful, or excellent, or persuasive address. I think it's fascinating. I think that this president, the tweeter-in-chief, should suspend and eliminate all of his tweeting. I think it demonstrates great foolishness and immaturity and vanity and many other things about this president. It is a dumbed-down presidency, as tweeting is dumbed down communication, no matter what any out there happen to say to the contrary. And this president demonstrates that every time he tweets, that it is dumbed down communications. Going back to a soundbite from a chief in academia, the chancellor or president, what have you, of Southern New Hampshire University, who stated the following, and I am repeating what I have stated in a previous program. Quote, The world in which we live equally distributes talent, but it doesn't equally distribute opportunity. And I go end quote there, even though the statement continues on. But the portion that I'm interested in is this, is limited to this. So let me just restate that. So consider these words, quote, the world in which we live equally distributes talent, but it doesn't equally distribute opportunity, End quote. Well, you could restate that to say life is not fair, and I am totally in agreement with that. That is simply true. Life is not fair. But the opening statement, as I mentioned in a previous program, this portion that states the world in which we live equally distributes talent, is so telling. So we're supposed to believe that talent comes from the world. So everything else comes from the world, too as he goes on to say that opportunity comes from the world. Talent comes from the world. You know, good old Mother Earth. Talent. God-given talent is not God-given talent. It is world-given talent. And so to everything else. Now, I would tend to agree with him with regard to the matter of opportunity having much more to do with the world. The good old boy networks, the secret societies the evil undercurrents and regimes and conspiracy, which is unthinkable that there are any conspiracies. If you're a conspiratorial thinking type person, well, you need to change that. Get your head on straight. Don't be conspiratorial for heaven's sakes. Even if the history of mankind going back to the very beginning has been rife with conspiracies right up to the present and on into the future. But it's true that opportunity is not equally dispersed. It is untrue that talent comes from this corrupt world. And while a president has definite limitations as to what he can do, nonetheless, he has greater opportunity to do important, meaningful, useful things than virtually anybody else. That being said, it is much easier for a president to do evil than to do good To accomplish evil than to accomplish good. Why is that? Well, for one thing, there is the weight of gravity, if you will. There is momentum. Evil has been being done to this nation, to the people of this nation, to Christendom, to the Western world. For not merely decades, but much further than that, going back in time. It's much easier just to continue that. It doesn't encounter the resistance, the great concerted conspiratorial resistance that there is to trying. ...to stop that... ...change that... ...alter that... ...reverse course. And the only way... ...there will be sufficient... ...power... ...to reverse course... ...is not politically... ...at the core... ...at the root... ...at the base... ...at the foundation but is spiritually. And that's not going to come about via a leader who is not godly. And the likelihood of it coming about via a leader who is godly is extremely remote. If it were possible to have a godly president, The system is, in point of fact, rigged against that. Because those behind the curtain, those who hold the keys to the kingdom, those who pull the levers of power, or levers if you prefer, they have rigged the system so that they control Outcomes, regardless what major party here in the United States of America is victorious. Or what major party, politically speaking, in the United Kingdom or Great Britain or in Germany or in France or in Italy or in Spain or in Israel or throughout Scandinavia, or in Canada, or in Australia, or throughout South America, prevails. You see, these great societal engineers, they play both sides of the aisle. They are non-partisan, partisan, pardon me, in that sense, they are absolute leftists to the core. Socialism, fascism, in their case, but socialism is their bread and butter. But they use all of the parties. They infiltrate all of the parties, and they exercise control, at least influence, within all of the parties. But still, there are certain parties which are their home base, their home turf. Such as the Democrat Party in the United States of America. There are certain parties where they have monopoly control or all but monopoly control. And when anybody comes along, gets into some sort of position of political power, regardless how small that is, if they are not in step and lockstep, With the party leadership, they will be shown the door one way or another, typically by having others, other candidates run against them and having financing withheld from them and having advertising run against them and all other manner of things have their, their name, their good name defiled, and so forth. But they play both sides of the aisle to a considerable degree. They are nonpartisan in the sense that They are simply using, employing, manipulating the parties. So you may have a certain Dr. Strangelove who supposedly is Republican, who claims to be Republican, and who has been very influential in certain Republican administrations to the detriment of this nation. But he could just as easily be Democrat. It's just a matter of being clever enough to see to it that they're able to exert influence, pressure, power across the board. the President of the United States is limited in what he can do. But if he sides with evil, the limitations are considerably less onerous. The Olympics is coming our way within approximately a week. And it is a great spectacle, and there are a great many young people who have labored for years and years and years, and in some cases, decades, to have the opportunity, to be given the opportunity, granted the opportunity to participate and to seek to succeed in accomplishing their quest, whatever that happens to be. For so many, it is a matter of seeking to win Olympic medals and ultimately the gold medal. For others, it is to exceed their top performances heretofore and to obtain Olympic experience and to further their development and to come back four years hence, and try again if they do not succeed in obtaining medals this time around. But for some it is to have the opportunity to take part, to participate. None of these goals are bad, or wrong, what have you. Unfortunately, politics plays a significant role in the Olympics, in the International Olympic Committee, and all of its branches, what have you. It's highly political, politicized. Perhaps you recall back. With the Summer Olympics in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, the Russians were essentially banned from the Olympics, as is the case here. One woman who was an Olympic champion, a world champion, who came forth with, who provided information about what the Russian, certain Russian organizations and organizers were up to, what they had been doing. She provided information that the International Olympic Committee did not have and would not have had were it not for her. She provided this information because of her conviction that this was harming Russian athletes, it was detrimental to them. The circumstances were remarkable, so much so that she and her husband had to flee Russia for their lives. But the International Olympic Committee, wonderful, sage, impartial, beneficent organization that it is, chose to ban her from participating in the Olympics. And then they held out, belatedly held out an olive branch that she could come to the Olympics, but she could not participate. the Olympics has been skewed towards unfairness for decades and decades and decades. I mentioned before about a certain teenage male swimmer who was stripped of an Olympic medal because he was using a prescription medication Treating his bronchial asthma. He was suffering from bronchial asthma. And he was treated for it with a medication that was cleared for use. But then the IOC and its wisdom decided to strip him of his Olympic medal for using this. Remarkable. And when I say IOC, I am including those bodies which are directly underneath the IOC, which report to the IOC, if you will, which govern individual sports and are cooperative with the IOC. Now, that took place, if I'm not mistaken, during the dark 1972 Munich Olympics, at which Islamist terrorists slaughtered the Israeli Olympic delegation or Olympic team. Unfortunately, That terrorist attack was dealt with exceedingly incompetently by the German government, German security forces. But it was an extremely desperate situation. But as far as fairness, unfairness, it's inherent in life. Some individuals such as the top-ranked United States men downhill skier encounter heartbreaking injuries at Times which it is impossible to recover and be able to participate in the Olympics. He was just named to the team a week ago, and during that same week suffered a severe knee injury. Reminds me of the last go-round in which Lindsey Vaughn, champion downhill skier and competes in more than that. But she suffered a terrible injury again on the eve of the Olympics. Not that these injuries need to be that near to the event in order to prevent an athlete being able to compete. Some athletes have been hit with injury after injury after injury, while others are fortunate not to experience seriously debilitating or disabling injuries. This is true in the NFL, it's true in sport. And some have managed to come back from multiple serious injuries and still win championships. Life is not fair. But those things that happen as a result of call it what you will chance in the way of injuries and so forth, that's one type of incident. It's quite another from Olympic judging being skewed, being rigged to deny championships to athletes. For political reasons and or others. Typically political. My favorite women's singles figure skater ever was Janet Lynn. And she deserved the gold medal, but was cheated out of it. And the way things were done at that time... Was different. Things have changed over time. But as far as I was concerned and am concerned, she was the most outstanding in every way and a thoroughly darling person. And yet, of course, we will never see, well, now maybe we will, but we will probably never see any program, any movie, any TV movie or movie made about darling Janet Lynn. Instead, we, of course, are treated to movies and such made about terrible, soapboxish types, such as Tanya Harding. It's an amazing world in which we live, in which fairness does not reign in which equity or equality are not the norm. But even if they were the norm, in one sense, and in many senses, but in one sense in particular, that would not be the solution. Before I go further, let me just mention, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. In case you missed the introduction, and if there is anything good or praiseworthy about this program, it is thanks to God Almighty and His Christ, and if there is anything or much wrong with this program, lay it at my doorstep, so to speak. It is due to me. But let's say, just for sake of discussion, that fairness and equity and equality reigned supreme worldwide, nationwide, continent-wide, worldwide. Everywhere you looked, as far as the eye could see, there was equity and equality and fairness. Everybody had As much opportunity as everybody else. How would that not be fair? How would everything being fair not be fair? Well, consider this nation and this world, this world of nations, this world of countries. This world of lands are inhabited by good people, godly people, honorable people, loving people, kind people, decent people, self-sacrificing people. Who give and give and give in order to help others. That certainly is not the rule. (laughs) But the exception, but this world is also peopled by predators, destroyers, slaughterers, torturers. Some of them would have us believe that they are self-sacrificing. They refer to some within their ranks as being martyrs. You know, those whom they use as cannon fodder to slaughter multitudes of innocent people, they will refer to them as martyrs, even though that's a perversion of the word martyr, which actually means Christians who have been murdered because of their refusal to deny the faith. But, Let's say everything is fair. Well, then those evil ones, those destroyers, those monsters would have equal opportunity not to do good, even though they would have that, but they would not do that. They would have opportunity to do evil, to destroy the good, which in fact they do have at this present time and have enjoyed For these millennia. This pie in the sky idea. That equality of opportunity. The leveling of the playing field. That is going to usher in Shangri-La. Is utter idiocy. Unfortunately. Because there are those who are dedicated to destroying others. And they use all manner of means. If you look at entertainment, media, you will be Remiss not to notice the corruption of society, of people, via the corruption of communications, such as the propaganda that is ever-present. Yes, not just the propaganda of the Adolf Hitlers and the Joseph Goebbels. Not just the propaganda of the Joseph Stalins and of the Soviet regime, not just the propaganda of Mao Zedong and the communist Chinese regime and its successors and the propaganda of all of the other propagandists of their ilk, such as Benito Mussolini and so forth, but the propaganda that is flooding this world, flooding this nation, flooding Western nations. The promotion, the constant promotion of sodomites and their so-called lifestyle, and it is a very idealized lifestyle that they display a death style extremely distorted and misrepresentative but continual bombardment of this promotion of this as there is the promotion of interracial marriage and or intimate Relations. Not promotion of interracial friendship, interracial neighborliness, respect for one another and love and kindness towards one another. No, but interracial marriage. The reason for promotions such as these, and if you look at the amount, the sheer quantity of it in advertising, not just in movies and TV movies and TV series, but oh so importantly in advertising, the sheer quantity, the portions or proportion, the percentages in which these things are depicted as being the norm are nothing short of astonishing. And there's a reason for that. This is not by happenstance or accident. If you look at the prevalence of this, of interracial marriage, interracial sexual relation, intimate relation, whatever it is, that is promoted via advertising. It should hit home that somebody is behind this. And not just unlinked people who happen to have a similar worldview, but out-and-out out conspiracy. Conspiracy. Not just via advertising agencies, but the companies that contract with them. And what's wrong about it, after all? Other than it's not the way it's supposed to be. Is it out and out evil? Like sodomy? Like the sodomite agenda? No. Is it right? No. Because I say so? No. Not because I say so. But because it's not, it's not just that it hasn't been the societal norm in the United States of America, or the societal norm in Western nations and Christendom, or even the societal norm through history, it is that it is wrong. It's not the way things were designed by God to be. And yes, I know there will be those who will claim otherwise. But notwithstanding that, tell me, when you look at the natural world, if you happen to live in an area where there's a great deal of wildlife in the form of fowl, birds, and what have you, what's your idea of diversity, really? Is it, if 90% of the birds you see are blackbirds and crows and grackles and starlings, so in other words, blackbirds, blackbirds, brownbirds, is that your idea of diversity? Is that the beautiful panorama or whatever that, that God created? I'm sure there are places where you will find something like that. I know, living in Maine many years ago, we found that as far as during winter, there certainly was a heavy preponderance of crows. But then there were also the chickadees, the state bird, and cardinals, and the occasional eagle And so forth. But the varieties of bird that you saw during the winter were limited as compared to during the spring and summer and fall. But what if? What if you were a painter? And you wanted to show the diversity of the natural world. How would you go about that? Would you mix all of your colors together? You mix all of the various reds and yellows and blues, mix them all together, and then cover portions of your canvas with the resulting admixture that you would have. What would you have? Would it be beautiful blues and greens and purples and reds and yellows and so forth? Or would you have a canvas that in the portions that were covered, were covered with brown and gray, grays and browns? What would you have? What if the cardinals mated with the bluebirds? instead of with the cardinals. And right down the line, all of the other varieties, beautiful varieties of birds, they chose to mate with other varieties of bird instead of their own. What would you have? Would you have this wonderful so greatly desire depth and diversity that we hear about? Would you? Really? Or, would you have a muddied, polluted, gene pool, if you will? Would you have deterioration or Dissolution of the beauty that was intended by the Creator, who so remarkably, creatively created all of this vast variety. Even if there was no downside in terms of genetic disorders as far as predispositions to diseases or reduced longevity of life or anything else, if it simply resulted in the reduction of beauty, if it simply resulted in the reduction of the variety that God created, I would say that would be less than a desirable outcome. These who would have us believe that interracial marriage should be the norm, and supposedly currently, in essence, is the norm, Every second or third couple that you see in advertising, it seems like, is interracial. Cross-racial. Whatever term you want to use. It's not a matter of saying, we're going to represent the population. And we've done the latest population study or survey... And lo and behold, the population in this area is 70% Caucasian-ish, 10% this, 5% that, and so on and so forth. So that's what we're going to depict in our advertisements. That would be one thing. I wouldn't mind that per se. Not if we're talking about nationality, if we're talking about race. I wouldn't mind that. But what we have here is a deliberate, orchestrated attempt to promote interracial marriage as being the norm. Marriage or non-married intimate relationships, promoting that as being the norm. Now, maybe those advertisements will, so to speak, fall on deaf ears with the older people, maybe even with the middle-aged people, but they won't with the young, with the youths. And that's the target audience. It's not that there isn't desire to sway the others, there is. But the youngest generations are those that are systematically targeted for this brainwashing. For this behavior modification. Yes, it helps their cause if they can corrupt the thinking, the understanding, the behavior of those who are older and therefore able to do more to assist their cause. Depth and diversity. I was hearing all about depth and diversity. It was the battle cry of the sodomites back in the very early 90s. It was one of the battle cries. Another one was marriage is legalized rape. Yeah. That was just their their fighting words. Marriage is legalized rape. Okay? Because the marriage that they were militating against was actual marriage and they had to defile it and corrupt it and pervert it but this matter of the interracial promotion is just another aspect of attack upon marriage of attack upon family. If I had a loved one who was considering marrying, who was in relationship with somebody who I thought was no good for them, even dangerous, whatever, but no good for them, I would want with all of my being for them not to marry that person. And I would prefer for them to marry a person outside of their race who was good and godly. But if that person is so good and godly, they should have sense enough to know that this is not God's good and perfect plan. Is it evil? No. Is it terrible? No. But is it God's best intention? No. And it's harmful for children. It's harmful for society, for culture. Harmful for family. And right throughout society. Which is why it's being promoted. If you look at the things that are being promoted, they are the things that are harmful. For people here in this nation and around the globe. Unfortunately, we are so easily swayed by what we see, by what is constantly being promoted to us, because we are not sufficiently aware of and observant of Truth from the giver of truth from God Almighty. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.